0: Welcome to Bethel today. I am so glad you're with us today, worshiping and just praising God, lifting our hands in worship, praising Him through song, and also we're gonna be praising Him through His word today. So thank you for coming. If you guys can open your Bibles up to Romans 6, that is where we are camping out today. We are gonna stick in Romans 6. This is gonna be so rich. If you don't have a Bible, or you'd like to connect with us in any way, make sure to fill out a connection card. You can do that online, or you can even send an email to info at if you want us to pray for you, if you're struggling with something, or if you just want a Bible in your hands, we'll get that out to you. A new year. But wait, I have to introduce myself. My name is Nate Palmatier, and I'm the director of NextGen. A new year, 2023. Can you guys believe it's here? I don't even really remember 2020 happening or any of those other years. And each year, we do we always have some sort of uh, New Year's resolution or something that we're gonna do? One of my favorite things for New Year's resolution is I'm gonna eat healthier or I'm gonna have like the best workout ever. And then it kind of falls flat after what? Like two weeks? Well. I have a story that kind of links into today's passage. And I used to work at a place called Trimlight. And while I was there, we came up to New Year's and we were doing inventory. And one of the guys is like, you know what? I wanna eat healthier next year. So I want you guys to keep me accountable for eating healthier. And of course, we're gonna jump out at that opportunity. And we're like, yes, we will keep you accountable for all the wrong things that you might do. That's exactly what we did so first week or so he was he was actually eating quite healthy and this guy wouldn't eat healthy all the time but he was eating healthy the carrot sticks the celery sticks you know the chicken breast the broccoli all those things and he was doing great now we start at around six thirty a.m. and our break times around 8 and I was sitting in my office uh, in the warehouse and all of a sudden I heard a bag of chips pop open like just that and you know that 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 classic like coke sound when someone opens a can of coke it's just like I hear those two things and I'm sitting there and I just kind of turn around and look over my shoulder and I'm like dude what are you doing you can't be eating chips and pepsi at 8 a.m. he's like no 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 listen 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 um I found these magic beans online and I can eat whatever I want as long as I eat these green beans. Like, this is for real. He fe- they were basically coffee beans. And I told him, you know, that's, that's, not a, that's a gimmick. That's, that's not going to work. And this can be very similar to how some of us treat sin. You know, it's, it's okay. I have this kind of way of dealing with it. I'm not going to backslide. Are you crazy? It's okay for me to to watch these movies. It's okay. I'm not going to backslide. I'll I'll be fine. Today's message is surrounding what it means when we actually say there's no turning back. What it means when we say we are following Jesus. And what it means when we say we are dead to sin and alive to Christ. But before we open, I want to pray for us. And then we'll get into today's message. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord, for us to worship you, to praise you. As we walk through today's message, Lord, would you guide us? Would you guide our hearts and our minds? Would you give us clarity, Lord? And just cut out all the noise Cut out all the noise of the things that are going around right now. Help us to focus on you, Lord. Help us to focus on what your word has to say to us today. God, thank you for providing your word. Thank you for providing this space. Thank you for for all you do in our lives. Speak to us today, Lord. Speak to us in mighty, mighty ways. I lift this all up in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Romans 6 is where we're starting. So let's start by reading through the passage. So Romans 6, the entire chapter. (laughs) What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live in new life. For if we have been united with Him in death like this, we will certainly also be united with Him in a resurrection like this. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body Ruled by sin, might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, if we believe that we also will live with him, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he can't die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin. Once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you may obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him As an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master. Because you're not under the law, but you're under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means! Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness, But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you've come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at the time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness and as a result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Wow, that is a lot. But this is the turning point in Romans where Paul now speaks to what it means by application to be justified. What it means to be in a place just as if you had not sinned. Justified really is Jesus standing in your place, securing your spot in heaven for eternity to spend with God and to never be separated again. Jesus did that for you. God called you out of darkness, out of your dead body, to life with Him. Matthew Henry says this chapter really presses the absolute necessity of sanctification and a holy life. An inseparable fruit of justification. For wherever Jesus Christ is made of God unto any soul righteousness, He is made of God unto any soul Unto that soul, sanctification. When you've truly been saved and justified, you will be sanctified. Which really means that you will get further and further away from the life you used to live. This is the process of sanctification. When Jesus stands in your place and justifies you, He then works on you. And you slowly get away from your old life and closer to the image of Christ. So this is where we are right now. Today's passage offers us another picture of God's grace. There's so much gold here that Paul offers in explaining what it means to live for Christ and what it means, well, when we live for ourselves. As I was preparing for this and reflecting on both of these truths that we can either live for Jesus or we can live for self, I think each of us can really see this playing out in our own lives. There are times where we just can't get away from living for ourselves. And then there are times where God is just setting a fire in our hearts. Today's message speaks to both of these truths. If you're here today and you are following following Jesus, but you're slowly sliding back into your old ways, this message is for you today. If you're here today and you've been on fire for Jesus and you've just been loving others and caring for others and just living out the life that Christ has offered you, this message is for you. And if you're here today and you've never had a relationship with Christ, if you've been invited today by a friend, a family member, and you just see this as just religion or whatever it is, this message is for you. God is speaking to you today. We have two choices. Two choices. We can, one, live for ourselves. And we're going to find out what that means. Or two, live for Jesus, live for God. If we're saved, we need to turn from our old ways and embrace our new life. We don't need this, and we don't do this on our own. Jesus empowers us through the Holy Spirit in order to do this. This isn't, this doesn't mean that we need to work harder to get there. Jesus helps us change the way we are from our old lives, living for ourselves, to what it means to live for God. Two choices, loved ones. Live for Christ or live for yourself. Let's read Romans 6, 1 to 7. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means! We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that Jesus, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live in new life. For if we have been united with him in death, like his we will certainly also be united with him in resurrection like his for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin so our first point today and it's going to be stacked into 3 separate subpoints is that we have joined the king be faithful to him This whole part portion of Romans just kind of lays it out flat that once we're saved, once we've joined the side of the king, Jesus, because of this, there are a few things we have to understand, know, and see happening in our lives. We ought to know that just because we've been justified, this doesn't give us license to do whatever we want. This doesn't give us license to to stamp that card and say, well, I got my get out of hell free card, and now I'm just going to live the way I want. And we should not sit here today thinking, well, I'm already saved. So you know what? I'm good. I can sin as much as I want. We can't be thinking in that way. Paul points this out in verse one and two. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. He emphasizes that. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So now that we've been saved, and we've been told that just last week when when Josh spoke on Romans 5, when sin increased, grace abounded all the more. This is what Paul's speaking to. When sin increases, grace abounds. So he's saying just because grace abounds doesn't mean that we can just keep on sinning. He makes it pretty clear. And then he has a follow-up question as well. We are those that have died to sin. How can we live it, live in it any longer? If you've truly died to sin, if you've been following Jesus and living your life up for Him, how then can you continue to sin any longer? How has sin not become so gross to you that you want nothing to do with it, that you do not want it as part of any part of your life? You see, loved ones, as we are sanctified, as we walk in relationship with Christ, we're slowly changed. I already mentioned this. We're no, we no longer have the desires of our old life. But I want to be clear regarding this as well. This sin that's, that Paul speaks to when he says, shall we go on sinning? That phrase, shall we go on sinning? This statement is a, is a different type of sin. It's not the sin that, you know, props up once every six months or, you know, the time you get angry with your, your, your child and you're like, ah, what are you doing? And you're like, oh man, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. This is habitual sin. This is perpetual sin. This is sin that keeps on happening. Sin that keeps on, or sorry. Shall we go on? Shall we go on sinning? Just continuing to do it over and over. We can't just keep doing something that's completely against God and thinking, well, that's okay. One commentary said, if grace is so powerful, could not man remain in sin and still experience the delivering power of grace? Paul's answer is emphatic. He emphasizes it. By no means. We have died to sin. This is a past experience. Such being the case, how can we still live in sin if we've already died to it? We cannot continue to live in sin, loved ones. Habitual sin with complete disregard for Jesus. We cannot live in sin if we have died to sin. We cannot continue to habitually live in sin if we have a relationship with Christ. Loved ones, this is a moment where we examine our lives. Am I living a life filled with sin? Am I living in a place where I continue to live for the flesh and not for Jesus? So at every turn, am I, like, am I judgmental of others? Am I failing to see the log in my own eye? Am I judging others and not even seeing how judgmental I am? Is there a certain thing in my life that I continue to do over and over, but I haven't taken it to Jesus? I haven't asked for Christ's help. I've not shared with a brother or sister, but I just keep living in it. So when I first came to Christ in 2003, and then I started dating my wife in May of 2003, Stacy. Um, I experienced this In a way. So, being a new Christian, um, I didn't really know how to live out my life as a follower of Jesus. I was just kind of like, okay, I'm following Jesus now. I don't know what I'm doing. And I remember us hanging out and going over to Stacy's house and watching movies with her parents. And so, we'd be watching movies. And growing up, I saw movies like movies from the 80s, like Critters, Children of the Corn, Pet Cemetery uh, Jason, like Halloween, like all these, all these terrible movies. Um, I can name so many, but I don't want to give you guys any ideas or trip you up. Right. Anyway, so we would be watching a movie with Stacy's parents and I can distinctly remember any time there was some sort of like explicit thing that came up, whether it was language, whether it was nudity, whatever it was, I remember her dad forwarding through those parts. And I remember that actually bugging me. Like, what's this guy doing? Why is he, he, you're ruining the movie. And then later on, going to Stacy and saying, hey, why did your dad always forward through those parts? What's wrong with that? And Stacy just coming alongside me and saying like, what value is that giving you? If you're going to see another lady or you're going to hear language, what value is that? There really is no value in watching that. They're not appropriate. But you see, loved ones, I'd come to Christ in February of that year, and I was a new believer, and I was still just finding my bearings. And in that moment, Jesus was working on me through my future wife. We were dating at the time. And right there, Jesus was working on me. Was I just going to listen to people swear over and over again and think it wasn't going to affect me? Was I just going to watch videos of, you know, nudity or whatever and think that's not going to affect me? Of course not. And Jesus revealed to me in my own heart, it's not okay. And that's damaging my soul. You see, when we consume these things in our life, it may not seem like such a big deal. But it is a big deal. It's a big deal to those around us, to our kids, to our family members, to other brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's a big deal to Jesus. And the more and more we consume these things, the quieter God's voice becomes. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, you go from watching movies just once in a while to watching them all the time and being okay with it. To a point where we may even justify or get angry with family members or friends when they say, why are you going to watch that trash? Why are you going to watch that movie? Don't you know that new Wolverine movie has so much swearing in it? Will grace increase if we just keep watching? By no means. Take a moment right now. And, you know, I really wrestled through this message too. Like, what are the things that I'm doing? We all have to examine our lives. Is there some sort of perpetual sin in our lives that we need to turn away from and turn back to God? Is me getting angry, at, am I getting angry all the time? Is it becoming a habit? Bring that back to God we ought to know that just because we've been justified, this does not give us license to do whatever we want. Secondly, let's look to the hope that we have in Jesus, how we are united with the King and can no longer be ruled by sin. This is great news. Know that if you're struggling with sin like this, this isn't the end. You don't need to be in that place forever. When when we are united with King Jesus, we are no longer slaves to sin. When we come to Christ, our old life is dead. As it says in Romans 6, verse 3, For don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? This news should not be one of mourning, but of celebration. We no longer have chains of sin holding us down, holding us back. We can now live fulfilled lives in Christ. And Romans 6, 4 says, When we were baptized, we died and were buried with Christ. We were baptized so we could live a new life as Christ was raised to life by the glory of the Father. This is absolutely the most amazing gift you could ever receive. This is the most amazing position you could ever be put in to be justified by Christ. You could have all the accolades in the world and it does not matter when we are united with Christ, when we are justified by Christ, and when He is slowly sanctifying us, that's the best position for us to be in. Life, death, justified by Christ, living for ourselves. This right here is absolutely amazing. and can be summed up in one statement. So you can live a new life. Life. When we're united with the King, when we're united with King Jesus, we get to live a new life. We have an opportunity to be to live a fulfilled life, free of worries, free of hopelessness, free from all that sin has stained. Don't let our our the sin in our lives tell us who we are. We are Are children of Christ. But how is it possible? Is it that we need to work really hard? Is it that we need to develop a five-step program that we can get to this? No, it's because of Jesus, because we are now united with Him. And when we're united in Christ, we share in what He has done for us. Romans 5 Romans 6, 5-7 says, If we shared in Jesus' death by being baptized, we'll be raised to life with Him. We know that the persons we used to be were nailed to the cross with Jesus. This was done so our sinful bodies would no longer be slaves to sin. We know sin doesn't have power over dead people. Sin has no power over us because Christ defeated sin when He died and was buried and rose again. God sent His Son to defeat death so you could live. If you're living a life right now and you are a slave to sin and you just don't know why you keep doing the things you're doing and you know they're wrong, come to Jesus. Jesus is calling you right now. This message is for you. God is calling you out of your sinful life to live a fulfilled life with Him. He's saying, I love you. And I want you to come to me. Allow Jesus to do the work of the cross in your life. Lastly, when we've joined the King, we have to change how we think. Often, even when we're in a new situation or workplace or new team, we can think like our old selves. You go to a new workplace and you're like, you know what? I didn't do that at my old workplace. I did it this way before. Or you come on a new team and you're like, I don't pass the puck that way. I do it this way. And often we can hear just people talk like this. But also, we need to remember we don't need to listen to our old selves. In Romans 6, 8, To 11, it says, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with Him. For we know that since Christ raised from the dead, He can't die again. Death no longer has mastery over Him. The death He died, He died to sin once and for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. Can we just stop it? Can we just sit down and say, stop? Don't listen to the old way you lived? Don't think that living that way is better because it's not. It really isn't. Even when we tell ourselves this old way was much better. Doesn't it remind you of the Israelites and how they were in the desert and they were like, man, remember those leeks? Remember the melons? Ah, remember the melons? They were so delicious. I don't know why I sound like Arnold. (laughs) But they weren't. You had a terrible life in Egypt. And sometimes we can get reminiscing about that. We need to forget about our old lives and stop reminiscing about how amazing we think it is because it's all nostalgic and none of it actually was amazing. Loved ones, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. When we're united in Christ... Let's put those past memories that we thought were nostalgic behind us. You're no longer controlled by your sinful life. You now live in Christ, dead to sin. What does that even look like? Well, Don Wilkerson said this, Once you were a dead man or woman walking, now you can be alive. Christ gives us the power to have power over the power of sin. Wilkerson really nails this when he says Christ gives us the power He's the one that has allowed us to have power over sin in our lives. Christ, not us. Christ, not my determinedness. Christ, not my outgoing personality. Those things may help you stave off sin for a little while, but it's the power of Christ that helps you defeat sin. Overall, we've joined the King. Be faithful in action in how you live out your life. Don't keep on sinning. Be faithful in hope of the power on the cross, knowing that sin has been defeated, and be faithful in how we think. This here brings us to our second point. Jesus is your master, not our desires. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and Offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness, for sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Here's this dichotomy. We can offer ourselves up to two things one, we offer ourselves up to sinful desires, the other, we offer ourselves up to God. Now, when we offer ourselves up, what we're doing is we're saying, okay, I'm going to listen to you. So whether that is God or whether that is sin, whichever we, whichever one we listen to, we're going to allow that to have more space in our lives. So if we offer ourselves up to sin, we're going to push God out. We're going to give more space to those sinful desires. And it's going to be more and more space. But if we offer ourselves up to God, it's going to also do the opposite and push sin out of our lives. The more and more space we give to God, the less and less space there is for sin in our lives. This passage is so clear as to what it means for us to be slaves to sin or righteousness. Sin is the subjugator of our lives that sometimes we're okay with the captor, the one that subjugates us, the one that rules over us, where Jesus is a liberator and he sets us free. Jesus ruling over us as master actually sets us free to live a fuller life. Don't you know, Romans 6, 16, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you're slaves of the one you obey? Whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you've come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You've been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Whichever these two we listen to, more we show that this is the master. This is the master of our lives. Whichever is the louder voice in our life is what has mastery over us. Martin, Lord Join, Martin Lloyd Jones gives an excellent description of this. He asks us to consider a typical British country scene. So sit back with me and just consider this. There are two fields enclosed by high rock walls. And every person begins life in one of these fields. A field ruled by Satan and sin? We have no chance scaling the walls and escaping the field on our own. But God, but God, in His grace, reaches down and takes out of the Satan-dominated and sin-dominated field and sets us down in the adjacent field ruled by Christ and Righteousness. A decisive change in our position has taken place. We're in a whole new relationship to sin. However, we can still hear Satan calling from across the wall, from the old field where we used to live. Out of long habit, we sometimes still obey his voice, even though we don't have to. This captures the combination of decisive change in status, along with continuing openness to sin that Marks Paul is teaching. We may overcome sin by moving further and further from the wall dividing the field so that the voice of Satan grows fainter and fainter. God has plucked you out of sin. He's plucked you out of the arena where Satan and sin has power over you and calls you the slave and it is your master. Now Jesus is your master and you're under grace, not the deafening defeat of sin. where are you at with this loved one are your desires still ruling your life and you can't help but satisfy them i want to encourage you today jesus came to pluck you out from under the terrible master that has you chained up jesus came to set you free free from a life lived for self for an abundant life, lived for Him and with Him. Don't let sin reign anymore. Don't keep pushing away God and saying, you know what, that's just not for me. Come to Him. Answer the call to live for Him. You know, it's not an easy call, especially when we're being beckoned by another master. But it's one you'll never regret. We can see that we ought not to continue in sin. Once we are in Christ and allowed to take over our thoughts, actions, and motives, we can see that sin is a terrible master and that Christ actually sets us free. And lastly, we can see through Paul's writings in Romans that the end result is devastating. When we don't come to Jesus and we don't come up of the field that is occupied by sin, the end result is devastating. It's eternal death compared to eternal life. Sin, eternity in hell. Jesus, righteousness, new life. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at the time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result? Eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We all see the catastrophe that sin can bring in our lives. And often Satan tries to bring us back into that into that bondage through various means, maybe through our family, maybe through, our wor- maybe through the world, maybe through our friends. Sin is always just tapping at the door, saying it's delightful. But Paul says, what benefit is there in the things that you're ashamed of? Because we are ashamed of sin. No one steps out and says, I'm an angry person. No one steps out and reveals their sin. We're ashamed of that. Plain and simple, sin leads to eternal death. Jesus leads to eternal life. About 150 years ago, there was a great revival in Wales, England. And as a result of this, many missionaries came from England and Germany to northeast India to spread the gospel. At the time, northeast India was not divided into many states as it is today. The region was known as Assam and and comprised hundreds of tribes. Naturally, they were not welcomed. One Welsh missionary succeeded in converting a man, his wife, and his two children. This man's faith proved contagious, and many villagers began to accept Christianity. Angry, the village chief summoned all the villagers. He then called the family who had first converted to renounce their faith in public, Or face execution. Moved by the Holy Spirit, the man instantly composed a song. And it became famous down the years. And he sang, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, Still I will follow, no turning back. This song was sung when a man and his family were facing death, a physical death. And I encourage you, when your desires are overwhelming, sing this song. Go to Jesus. When your struggles are just too much, sing this hymn the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back. Remind yourself daily that you are a follower of Christ and He has captured your heart. And if today is the first day that you have decided to follow Jesus, sing this hymn, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. If if you've been backsliding for some time, you don't have that fire in you that you used to have when you first came to Christ, step away from that wall in the field. Stop listening to Satan calling out to you and sin calling to you. Instead, turn to Jesus. If you're running with Christ right now and this is your anthem, no turning back, I encourage you, brother and sister, spur others on. Come alongside other brothers and sisters in Christ and remind them of the freedom that they have Available to them. And if today you're here and you don't know Jesus, I plead with you right now. Come to Him. Let this be your anthem today. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. You're here because God wants you here. God wants you to know the freedom only He can provide. He wants you to see the lie that the world is telling you. That you can live your life on your own without Him and without the body of Christ. It's not true. You can't. Come to Jesus. No turning back. Decide to follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the way that you've moved in the world, the way that you moved in this man's family, the way that you have moved in our lives. Remind us right now, Lord, of how you've moved in our lives. Help us be reminded, Lord, of, your, of our first love. Help remind us right now, Lord, of when we first turn to you. Lord, I pray for just a fire to be lit in our hearts, a fire to be lit that we would not turn back, but that we would see the cross before us, we would see the world behind us, and we would chase after you. We lift this all up in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.